righteousness He humbled Himself And He carried the cross Love so
light of the world you step down into darkness open my eyes let me thinking about uh, my first Harley Davidson. It was a custom 1200 Sportster. And man, that thing was pretty. It was pretty big too. I mean, to a guy who had never rode a motorcycle in his life, it was a big old bike. I know I may have told some of you guys this story before, but I had never been on a dirt bike a four-wheeler, a mini bike, 
I rode a goat cart maybe three times in my entire life. I turned 30 years old. I rolled over in bed, kissed my wife. I've been on a million horses. I loved horses. I, I got a buddy I went to school with named Daryl. He got him a Harley Davidson. Turned 30 years old. I woke up that morning. She said, happy birthday. What do you want for your birthday? I said, a new Harley. She said, you're out of your mind. You don't even know how to ride a motorcycle. I said, I want one. She said, you're not getting one. Next day, I went to Temple, Texas. I bought me a brand-new 1200 Custom Sportster. It, it had all the bells and wisdom that a Sportster could have. Now, y'all looking at me like, oh, Sportster, Pastor, you're a, you're a little sissy. Well, to a guy who's never rode before in his life, this thing was a monster. I didn't tell me I didn't know how to get it home. They said, well, you never rode? How are you going to get it home? I was 40 miles away from my house. I said, I'm going to ride it. They said, you don't even know how to ride. I said, show me. They gave me a little lesson, Carmen, in the parking lot. I rode around in a circle, and I rode around in another circle, and they said, this is how you start. This is how you stop. This is how you do it. I rode around in a circle about 15 minutes. I said, I got a helmet. And I know how to go. I'll never forget getting that thing out on the superhighway for the first time at a whopping 30 miles an hour. <laughs> I was on the access road, Cooper. I was doing my thing. I was looking good. I had a helmet on, man. My long head don't fit a helmet. Y'all griping me for not wearing a helmet because I got a long head. Gripe God. I had my helmet on and and and. And I was on the access road. I was doing 30 miles an hour. But what I didn't figure for was a great big old bridge that you had to cross to get to Waco. There's a great big old bridge from Temple to Waco on 35, and there's only one way over it, and that's over it. Well, I smoked cigarettes back then. Don't hold that against me. I parked my motorcycle at the bottom of that hill. I grabbed my cigarettes and I chain smoked that whole pack. <laughs> and I like, one right after the other, one right, I'd look at that big old hill. Finally, I said, that's the only way home. I got to do it. Man, I climbed over that hill. Man, people was honking at me. I was doing 30 miles an hour, 70 miles an hour, honking, honking. I got over on the other side of the hill. I got back on the access road. I rode that puppy all the way home. All the way home, I rode that thing, got it home. Learned how to ride it up and down my block. Rode it enough to when I got comfortable when she she wanted to ride it. And I would take her up and down the block. And then we got comfortable going down a little further. Same thing with your walk with Jesus Christ. You got to start somewhere. Can I say this to you? Listen to me, Cooper. If you want it bad enough, you got to start somewhere. If you want to be a mature Christian, only you got to start somewhere. I wanted a motorcycle. I had to start somewhere. I didn't go say, give me an ultra classic. I didn't say, give me a fat boy. I said, give me that Sportster. It looked like a mountain. It was a monster of a bike. I got it home, and I learned how to ride it. And we had fun on that motorcycle. And, man, we had a blast. And we took off to Austin one time. I got a windshield for that 1200 Custom Sportster. 
I got a windshield. It was up over my head. It was like a long windshield. By the time I got done with this thing, it looked like a Kawasaki on steroids. I got a big sissy bar for the back of it that didn't come. It wasn't even a Harley sissy bar. It was I got it at a, at a swap meet for like $35. I got that thing. I, I got it on there. I bolted it on there. I got my windshield, and we were headed to Austin. We rode that thing. We'd never been to a rally before. We wanted to go. We rode that thing all the way to the rally in Austin. And, man, we had a good time with our friends that weekend. And we rode it all the way back. And the whole time, Mary's moving around on this Sportster. I'm moving around on this Sportster. We're wanting to take a break every 30 minutes. We get home, and I said, baby, did you see how, baby? I said, you had fun? She said, I had a blast. I said, you enjoy riding? Yeah, I'm a sore. I'm sore. I'm sore. I said, I'm sore, too. I said, can I go get a bigger one? She said, you go get the biggest son of a gun they got. I went down the next day, and I bought a bigger one. You know, your walk with Jesus Christ is kind of like that. You got to start somewhere. There's going to be times it's difficult. There's going to be times it hurt. There's going to be times that are sore. There's going to be times when you don't want to ride. There's going to be storms coming at you, and you'll say, I just want to leave it in the garage. Your walk with Christ is kind of like having a motorcycle. But if you enjoy it enough, you'll go buy the bigger one. If you enjoy your walk with Jesus Christ, you'll get in your Bible. You'll come to church. You'll serve. Come on, you can clap. Praise God. <laughs> Ain't nobody ever put it down like that, Pastor Mark. Well, that's what the Holy Spirit wanted me to start this message. I've just got that right there. If we want it bad enough, we'll get it. We'll do it. If we want it bad enough, we'll, we'll aim high for it. If we want to quit being a drug addict? If we want it bad enough, we'll get in a rehab program. If we want to quit being an alcoholic? If we want it bad enough, you'll go to AA. You want God bad enough? You'll get in your Bible. You'll go to church. You'll seek him. You'll seek him. Say that with me. Seek him. The mark of a mature Christian, I ain't even turned my paper over yet, but the mark of a mature Christian is somebody that's seeking God. Are you seeking him tonight in every area of your life? For me, I'm happy to seek him today. I don't have to go to those things. I don't have to go to the beer joint. I don't have to go to the drug guy. I don't have to go and find it on the Internet. I found what I was looking for, and what I was looking for was Jesus Christ. And I'm still seeking a closer walk with him. That's why, I'm, that's, why, that's why the Lord talks about getting off the bottle and getting on the meat. It's kind of like getting off the sportster and getting on to the ultra glide. There comes a time where God wants to grow you up. And, and, and this has been a great series for that. This has been a great series for that. The marks of a mature Christian. If you're not here for the first, I mean, this, if you hadn't been here before, I'll just recap. We were in James 1, and, and, and we talked about the need to become more mature, that we need to grow up. We need to, we need to grow up spiritually, and it's true. God wants every one of us to grow up. Amen? Who believes that tonight? How many hear me tonight? Amen? Paul tells them to grow up. He said, I fed you with milk and not with solid food. For until you were able to receive it, and even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal. For where there is envy, strife, division amongst you, you are carnal, not ready to eat the meat. 1 Corinthians 3, 2. 
Paul tells them to grow up. He wants us to grow up so that we'll be spiritually mature to handle whatever comes our way. Who hears me tonight? Who wants to be spiritually mature to handle whatever comes their way? I was thinking about that tonight, letting you guys know that we had licensed Danny and we had licensed, we we're going to license Vicky and all the things that's coming to them. Are they mature enough to handle it? If they keep seeking God, they'll be able to. I wouldn't be where I am today if I didn't have a closer walk with thee, a relationship with the Lord. I'd have done been done in. Some of you would have done been done in if you didn't keep walking with the Lord. Shay, you'd have done been back out on them streets if you didn't keep seeking God, trying to grow your relationship. It takes energy. It takes effort. It takes getting off the blue chair and doing something. I taught you in the last couple of weeks. I'm just going to recap. Go right where we were. A spiritually mature person is not a matter of age. No matter how old you are, some of the, some of the smartest, most intelligent, greatest Christians we have in this church are over there in the Lamb Center. It's not a matter of age because I know some 50-year-olds who act 10. It's not a matter of age to grow up. God wants us to grow up. Let me say this in front of you. Takes energy, takes effort. It don't happen overnight. Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and favor with men. It took Jesus time to grow up. How many people see it in this generation? David, you see it in this generation. People come on board on the job and they want your job. They don't want to put in the years that you've been there. They want your job. They want, they want what you got. They, they want my house. They want my dually. They want my truck. But they don't want the sacrifices it comes to pay for all that stuff. Missing out on this and not being there for that because you had to work. Come on, somebody. God don't like lazy, but the lazy generation wants to come in and take it what you got right now there's a growth process i want to be able to turn this thing over to to dalton or justin one day i want to be able to say son if, if this is what god is calling you to do and now that you're mature i wouldn't turn it over to them now we'd have a wreck we'd have a storm now they're a lot more mature than a lot of folks today but i don't think they're ready you wouldn't want to turn over your job to somebody, a helper that wasn't ready. Two people would get fired that day. The fool who turned it over to a person who wasn't ready. God wants us not to be foolish. He wants us to study to show ourselves approved. He wants us to dig in the word. He wants us to get around brothers and sisters. And let me dig this deep in your heart. He wants us to stay unified, lifting one or up and building one another up and growing together. Say together. Come on, somebody. Say together. Who believes that tonight? I'll believe it. If I'm the only one to believe it, I'll believe it. Some Christians refuse to grow up. We learn that. We see that every day. I've seen 50, 60, 70-year-old spiritually mature babies. Spiritual maturity is not a matter of appearance. Some people can look sound and spiritually mature, but then they open their mouth and remove all doubt. Have we met those? Quit talking about Scott. He just walked up into church, man. Where you been, Scott? Spiritually mature. It's not a matter of appearance. No matter you got the biggest Bible, got the flashiest cross on your necklace. Spiritual maturity is not a matter of appearance. Jesus went and saved those that nobody else wanted to see. 
like the leper? Think about that for a minute. There was 10 leopards. There was 10 leopards that came by. They saw Jesus and they hollered out, Jesus, will you heal us? And Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. And, and, and man, they took off running. They were cleansed. They were healed. But there was only one mature there who came back and gave thanks for his blessings. He appeared like all the rest. He looked like all the other guys. He appeared to have leprosy. He appeared to get saved. And then all the others ran off to do what they do, but he appeared to come back and be the mature one in the bunch. Appearance can be deceiving. We also learn that spiritual maturity is not a matter of achievements. How many accolades you have on the wall? How many plaques? How many uh, councils you are on, how many, how many time, college degrees, how many hours you got. It's not a matter of achievements. D.L. Moody said, spiritual maturity is character that you are in the dark. Spiritual maturity, what it is, I'll just go right down the line and get to four where we're at. Character is what God knows about you. God says your attitude and your character determines what you are. Some people need an attitude adjustment. I just wrote that in just for fun. That was a good one. You can laugh if you want to. You can cry. You can say he's talking to me. I don't care. In the book of James, we have a manual of spiritual maturity. James is a manual on how to become spiritually mature. A spiritually mature person is positive under pressure, number one. We learned in the last two weeks, no matter what comes against you, Mary Ellen, you can't break down. And you can't bowl over. Ha! Somebody listen to me. Under pressure, you can't break down and you can't bowl over. You can't break down and you can't bowl over. How many parents ever can something? Is there any canners in the house of God? Huh? Y'all be canning something? Bring me something. <laughs> Bring me some jelly. I eat biscuits. If you're canning something and they put that on the stove and they put that little screw that thing together, you don't want that thing to blow up. God sometimes puts us in a hot situation to see if we're going to blow up, see if we're going to break down. God wants us to handle the pressure that comes in life. James says this in James 1, My brothers, count it all joy when you face trials and testing because it produces your faith and your patience. You'll have You'll be complete, lacking nothing. Spiritual maturity is sensitive to other people's needs. Ain't we so glad we have a church like that? Come on, somebody, hear me tonight. Ain't we so glad that we got a church that's sensitive to other people? Just like that mother. She didn't want to let her kid down. God stepped in, we stepped in, helped make a difference. We do that every week around here. I'm proud of that fact. I had a guy come up the other day on a bicycle. He needed just $20, just $20. I said, man, I'd like you to come to church. He said, man, I might come back, I might come back. I, I'll think about it. Most churches said, well, most churches would have said, well, you come to church and I'll give you the $20. I just gave him the 20 bucks and prayed for him and hoped. See, when we do those things, when we help people, we just got to hope and pray that God is in it. Does anybody hear me tonight? I learned that, too, from an old biker. 
chap with Soldiers for Christ. Me and Mary had him at our house one time. He came over and I told him, man, when I give somebody money, I put stipulations on it. If I give a homeless person money, I say, look at me. This is God's money. You take this money, you get you a sandwich, you get you something to eat, you get you a shower. You, you, you do not buy drugs or alcohol or I'll pray you die. I did. I did. I wasn't kidding. I did. I, that's the way my buddy taught me. He taught me. He said, he said, he'd give it to me. This money belongs to God. And if you do anything wrong with it, I pray you get so sick you almost die. You take my money and you go buy beer, I pray you get so sick you almost die. We had chap over at the house one night. He lived in California, grew up in California, ministered down there on Skid Row. People coming up to him for all kinds of things, shoes, shirts, socks, money. He said, Brother Mark, when you give, you can't put no stimulations on it. When you give, you give to God. What a powerful testimony. I'm preaching and, and saying these things, and here I got this biker friend. He just woke me up. When we give, we got to give to God. When we help others, it's like we're helping God. There's something in the Bible about that I remember a little bit, something where he says, uh, it, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you gave me clothes. You didn't put no stipulations on the clothes or the, or, or the food. You just gave. Our church is very good at that. You're very good at that. Give yourself a round of applause for that because I love that about old Caney Creek Cowboy Church. Amen. They're sensitive to other people's needs. That's number three is spiritually, oh, this is the one that we had so much fun with, and you're still here tonight, but there's some not, and that's probably because I stepped all over their toes with this. A spiritually mature person has mastered his mouth. Oh, let me go ahead and say this too. Has mastered her mouth. They got a handle on what comes out. They don't just cuss. They don't just fly off the handle. They don't shoot off in the mouth. They don't speak their mind. People who speak their mind, man, we may, they make us nervous. A spiritually mature person, they think about what they say before they open their mouth. They want to have a positive influence on people, not a negative influence on people. You got to master your mouth. Oh, it got quiet, didn't it? You can't go to church every week and cuss like a sailor. You got to master your mouth. You can't not get your way and throw a fit and scream and shout and cuss. You got to master your mouth. The Lord talks about putting a bit. Him, it's him wanting to put the bit in our mouth so he can control us. Because we are a slave to God and we want him to control us. I want God to control what I say. Because sometimes I want to say something I shouldn't. But thank God that I don't. Sometimes you want to say something, Sam, that you, you just want to just let it all out, but thank God that you don't because you probably wouldn't have a relationship with James. You probably wouldn't have a relationship with your mom. You probably wouldn't have a relationship with your dad. You probably wouldn't have a relationship with me. Nolan woke you up one day and said, boy, get your butt back to church. If you wouldn't have had something bridle in your mouth, you'd have said, look, ugly, get out of my room. I'm sleeping. You can call him ugly. That's all right. Everybody else does. We got to master our mouth. Got to get a hold of our tongue. God wants us to keep control of that. I had a guy in leadership one time. We was putting on a rope, and he was he was helping me on the arena team. He was kind of leading some things around here. He, he was flagging. They didn't like the flag call. He got mad. He threw down the flag. He ran over there and pushed the guy, challenged him to a fight, cussed like a sailor. You know where he was the next day? He wasn't on leadership in my church. 
I had a lady working in the concession stand one time. She got into it, called the lady a bad word through the window, hung her old nasty head out the window, and then, and then cussed some lady that was a, a coming to our church, and she just cussed her out. And I said, you know where she was the next day? She wasn't in my concession stand. Because mature Christians master their mouth. They master their mouth. Touch three people and say, master your mouth. I'll move on. I may not have anybody at church <laughs> on Sunday. But we learned that, amen? And this is where we are tonight, number four. A spiritually mature person is a peacemaker, not a troublemaker. Open your Bibles to James 4.1. A spiritually mature person is a peacemaker, not a troublemaker. Who's so glad that they're like that today? Uh, amen. And more women raise their hand than men in the church tonight. Hallelujah. <laughs> Good Lord. Uh, troublemaker. I don't consider myself ever a troublemaker, but I never ran from it either. I kind of look for it sometimes. But a mature person, they don't want no trouble. They don't want no trouble with nobody. They don't want to stand up and look all Billy Bad behind all the time. Y'all thought I was going to say something else, didn't you, Tom? You looked at me like, what are you finna say? A spiritually mature person, Mary, is not a troublemaker. If anybody's ever seen me change, it's my wife. You know, James says in James 4.1, where do you think all these appalling wars and quarrels come from? Do you think it just happens? Think again, James says. They come about because you want your own way and you fight deep inside of your own self. You ever see anybody, wait, let's, just, let's just go in our own home. Let's not go outside our own home and try to judge anybody. But you ever see anybody in your own home not get their way? All the kids raise their hand. Pastor, you're talking to me tonight. Hallelujah. Kids being honest in here anyway. Mama sitting on her hands like, huh? He says, we quarrel amongst ourselves. He says this, he said, do you think it just happens? He says, think again. They come about because you want your own way and you fight for it deep inside yourself. James is talking about conflicts and quarrels. He says that we fight and fuss and fume because of our own inner desires. You want something and you didn't get it. You wanted your way and you didn't get it. Now let's go outside the home. And how many times have we seen that in this world? People didn't get their way, so they fight and fuss and quarrel about it. We got countries right now that won't speak to other countries. We got blacks that won't speak to whites. And we got whites that won't speak to blacks. We are a country divided. We see churches split wide open down the middle because somebody wanted Charmin toilet paper and the other wanted Angel Soft. And they just fight over the Angel Soft and they fight over the Charmin. And at the end of the day, does it really matter? That that happens all the time. We got people that quit this church because they wanted to fight and quarrel and they didn't get their way. So they leave God. They blame me. They blame you. They blame Caney Creek. When all it is is something deep inside their heart says I didn't get my way. Can I tell you what I've learned? I'll let you in on a little secret, Matt. 
lot of people ain't got no say in their own lives, but they want to come say something, try to push their way around. Why don't you pray about it? Why don't you seek God about it? Why don't you handle stuff in love? James says that we're supposed to handle these things, these conflicts, because they will arise. These things, we should do it in love. We should not do it in hate. James is talking about conflicts and quarrels. When you get mad, you take it out on others. You kill and you covenant because you didn't get what you want. Let me ask you a question tonight. Listen, listen, listen to me. Listen, 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 Linda. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Are you a troublemaker? Are you a peacemaker? Are you a troublemaker? Are you a peacemaker? Answer that right now. Are you a troublemaker? Are you a peacemaker? Good question. Do you like to argue? Do you like to debate? Do you like to stir the pot? Do you like to see people get their feelings hurt? Am I a peacemaker or am I a troublemaker? The mark of a spiritually mature person is their lack of conflict in their life. That same guy that caused all that problems in the arena that night kept causing more problems and more problems and more problems until finally we had to ask him to go find another church because he was unreasonable and unbearable it got to the point where he was just causing conflict. You know, those people are out there, brothers and sisters. So Brother Larry and Jerry and Lyle were my elders at the time. And Larry said, I'll talk to him. I ain't afraid of him. I said, well, I'm not afraid of me. Well, he made, made me sound like I'm a weenie or something. You know, I'm not a weenie. Man. But Brother Larry, all nonchalantly, he said, I'll talk to him. And uh, I'll take Brother Lyle with me. We'll talk to him. Well, I said, man, I... I, I think I need to be there. No, you don't, preacher. We'll handle this for you because that's what the elders' jobs are for, to kind of help resolve that conflict, not, not stir it up, but to help resolve it. Somebody said amen. And they said, uh, they said, well, we'll go take care of it. And so afterwards, Larry being my mentor and the father to me, I, before they did, I said, let me talk to you. I said, this brother has anger issues, and he's a bully, and he's probably going to want to fight. Larry said, I'm not going to fight him back. He can want to fight me all he wants to. I'll just call the cops and have him locked up and put in jail. You know what I said in my heart? I can do that too. Wow. Instead of fighting, I'll just call somebody else let them handle it. That was like an epiphany for me because I've always had to handle all the conflict in my life. I can really call the cops? <laughs> really? Instead of having them chasing me, I can actually call and have them help me. Larry said, I, I, I'll, just, I'll just call the cops and, and, and they'll escort him off the property. Thank God we didn't have to do that. But Larry said, I'm not going to get in a conflict with him because I'm not a troublemaker. I'm a peacemaker. God wants you to be a peacemaker in your home with your children, with your wife, with your friends, in your church and on your job. God wants you to be a peacemaker to a stranger. Man, I watched the sweetest thing on the news. You know the news usually don't have anything about really peace on it. But right before church tonight, right before church tonight, I saw where a news anchor lady, a, a black lady, last night in the storm, 
An elderly man had gotten trapped. He worked at the shell. He had on his little shell uniform, and his car got trapped in the hot water. There were no police. There were no ambulance. There was nobody there to help. There, there was nobody that could rescue him. He was sitting on, on his car. The, the little news lady, I don't know what channel it was, 11 or 2, she reached out her hand and got him to the shore. She kept saying, come on, come on. He fell down in the water. Like, get up, get up. And finally she took him by the hand and brought him over there. And he's like, well, I didn't know what I was going to do. She said, let me take you home. You know, peacemakers, they want to take people home. They want to take people home. They want to see more people get saved than they do want to see more people go to hell. Are you a peacemaker or are you a troublemaker? Answer that tonight for yourself. If you're a troublemaker, you can change tonight. Make it your ambition. I told you you can change. First Thessalonians says, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life and attend to your own business and work with your own hands. Why is there so much conflict in the world? Why is there so much conflict in marriages today? Why is there so much conflict amongst Christians today? James gives us these two reasons. Number one, selfishness. Number two, judgmentalism. James says, do not speak evil of another brother. Don't go around talking around people's back. Don't judge your brother. Don't speak evil of him. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law but a judge. There is one lawgiver, James says, who is able to save and destroy. Who are you to judge another, James says? That's good stuff. There's only one lawgiver, and that's Jesus. That's God. Who are you to judge another person? We are not to judge one another. That's not our job. All that does is create conflict. By judging others, you become a troublemaker instead of a peacemaker. Our fifth mark, I think we're doing good, amen. Is anybody getting anything out of this? Praise God tonight, amen. I think it's been the best series we've ever had in this church, in the history of this church. A spiritually mature person is, ooh, Lord, you're speaking to me tonight. A spiritually mature person is a patient person. A patient person. Would all the patient people please stand up tonight? And there's one amongst us tonight, amen. <laughs> Patience is something that we struggle with. Like Dalton waiting on the chaps, then getting the wrong chaps. I know it hurt his little heart. I wish I could just make, wave my little magic wand and get it done for him as soon as we can. But God wants us to learn patience, Carl Starr. Something that you're so good at <laughs> as an elder of the church. And if the wall falls in now, you know. <laughs> Go with me to James 5. Got my Bible? A spiritually mature person is patient. James 5, verse 7. I love this right here. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. That's awesome. Be patient, 
therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. Be patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. So you also be patient. Establish your heart for the coming of the Lord is at hand. That's why I don't understand how someone could take their own life. I know it's just another form of sickness and it hurts to even think about that from time to time. But I've had those feelings myself. I've thought of that stuff about giving up sometimes. But God's begun a good work in you. He'll see it too, completion. There's no sense ending it on your own. There's no sense giving up. He says, wait on the late rain and the early rain. He's got, he's got blessings coming later, and he's got them coming early. But if you give up, you'll never see it grow. There have been many a times I thought about driving out of here and never coming back. But God said, wait, son. Help is on the way. Wait, son. Good things are in your future. God says, don't run off just yet. Touch three people and say, don't run. A spiritually mature person is patient. Patience is the mark of spiritually maturity. The word patience is used three times in this verse. That tells me that being patient is pretty important. Being patient is a quality of character. James gives an illustration of a farmer who plants his fields and now he waits for his harvest. If there is anyone who is patient, it's a farmer. Do we know any farmers? Anybody ever did any farming? If you've ever done any farming, you've got to be patient. We plant the seed. We cultivate. We spray. And then what do we do? We wait. And then what do we do? We hope something comes up. One of my favorite movies in all the world is Secondhand Lines. Has anybody ever seen that movie? Oh, I just love that movie to death. The guy had uh, had salesmen come by all the time, and him and his brothers would sit on the porch with double-barrel shotguns, and every time a salesman would come up, they'd raise up and shoot at him. Because I guess they, 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 then they, they took in this kid, and they said, Don't shoot! Let's see what he has to offer. Well, the first guy come by, he said, man, I want to sell you all some seeds. And so he sold them a bunch of seeds. We got tomato seeds. We got potato seeds. We got broccoli seeds. We got all kinds of seeds. So he sold them a variety of seeds, and that was awesome. They went and they planted all these seeds, and they sat there and they waited. And let me tell you what they got. They got corn. <laughs> he wasn't a very good salesman. But James tells us to wait. He tells us to wait. Like the farmer, wait. We need to wait. We need to be patient. You see, patience is the fifth mark of spiritual maturity. Many times God says, not yet. Has God ever said not yet? He didn't say no. He just said not yet. 
One thing Brother Larry told me and Brother Lyle and them told me one time, they said, how can you handle a 1,000 when you can't handle a 100? How can you handle 2,000 if you can't handle 500? There comes a process where you have to wait. How can you handle that promotion at the sheriff's department when you're ready, when you've been patient, when you've stayed the course, when you've learned everything you need to? Then you'll graduate to where God wants you to graduate. But listen to me. If the weeds come up and you don't go take care of them, if things pop up in your life, in your character, and you don't take care of it, you're not giving God an opportunity to grow those areas. You heard me in my prayer tonight say, Lord, go down into the deep, dark places that I tried to lock up and hide from the world. Get in there, God. And I mean that when I pray that. Get in there, Lord, that I may not judge nobody. Get in there, Lord, that I may love like you do. Lord, get in there that I may be an unselfish person. Lord, get in those dark places that I may never be a racist. Lord, get in those places, Lord, that you've never been before. Because, see, if you allow God into those places, he'll grow. Who hears me tonight? If you allow God into your heart tonight, he'll grow you. Patience is the mark of a mature person, a mature Christian. The only way to learn patience is by what? Waiting. Many times God says not yet. That does not mean no. It means not yet. We need to wait. We need to be patient. You see, patience is the fifth mark of a spiritually mature person. I'll finish next week. Amen. We'll stop there. God is good. Is anybody getting anything out of this series? Praise God. Amen. Thank God for riding it out with me. I'm not a big series guy. I'll tell you that right now. I try to go off what the Holy Spirit is telling me to preach. When he told me that this church needed to grow up, I thought what a better way to take them on a ride, a series, through spiritual maturity. And through my favorite book in the Bible, James. Go home and read James this week. Stay in there till you finish. It's not very long, but it sure is powerful. God is good. Let's pray. I think it's raining outside. It's raining inside. <laughs> and may God rain his maturity down on you tonight. That it's not about you or me. It's about him. Father, we thank you tonight. We thank you for an effective series. We thank you, Lord, that many have come and many have heard and many have left changed. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in families' lives, for the restoration that's taking place. Lord, I love every one of these people, every one of them that are here tonight. I love them, Lord, like you love them. And, Lord, I just want to see you get, they get, they get on with their life and get all that you have for them, Lord. I always say this, Cowboy Church, I don't want what anybody else has, but I want all that God has for me. Do you want what God has for you? Then there has to be a process of growing up. I want to see you be leaders in your homes. I want to see you be leaders in, in the financial world that we're coming upon. I want to see your finances grow and be blessed. I want to see God grow your children. I want to see God grow you in a mighty way. Whatever you're a part, I want you to be the head of it, not the tail. I want you to lead at the sheriff's department. I want you to lead on the ministries. I want God to make you the head and not the tail. And for that to happen, we have to grow up. Lord, we praise you tonight.
and we thank you that we can learn from James, the book of James. May we all soak it up like this rain that's raining. In Jesus' name, amen. Somebody give God a praise.